Welcome to the Bards FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to Without Oil, Green Dies. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots, and today is Thursday, May 12th in the year 2022. And I'm telling you, patriots, it is a crazy, crazy time. As the Biden administration continues to wage war on oil and gas, and as we are faced with probably some of the more critical things in our country, in the future of our country, and it will all depend ultimately on how we as patriots ultimately address and arise to the occasion to save this nation. Before we begin, let's make sure you're getting a good night's sleep, and there's no better way to do that than to be sleeping on the great products that come to you from MyPillow.com. Here's a brief message from Mike Lindell. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, and as you know, my passion is to help each and every one of you get the best sleep of your life. That's why I created my new Giza Dreams bed sheets. I started by using the world's best cotton called Giza. It's only grown in a region between the Sahara Desert, the Mediterranean Sea, and the Nile River. It's ultra soft and breathable, but extremely durable. I guarantee you they'll be the most comfortable sheets you'll ever own. I do not like my sheets. I love my Giza Dream sheets. I'm interrupting this commercial to bring you my BOGO extravaganza. For example, you can buy one of my Giza Dream bed sheets and get a second set absolutely free. Or my six-piece towel sets. Buy one set, get another one absolutely free. Or you can get my classic premium my pillow and get another one absolutely free. So call the number on your screen or go to MyPillow.com. Use your promo code to get my buy one, get one free offers and get deep discounts on all my pillow products that's mypillow.com forward slash bards is the bards nation's landing page and if you use your promo code right now with the buy one get one free you're not only going to take advantage of some incredible savings but you're also going to get a copy of mike lindell's book that tells his story from of going from addict to one of america's great and greatest ceos you can use that promo code bards anywhere on the frank speech site on the my store site and on the my pillow site and of course the best deals right now are on the my pillow site so if you head on over again mypillow.com forward slash bards and use your promo code or if you want to speak to a patriot pillow counselor a real live breathing person dial 800-975-2939 800-975-2939 and use your promo code bards well as you might have heard, the Biden administration has canceled huge Alaska oil and gas leases as the gas prices hit record highs. There is a war going on, and it's a war that I don't think most people are paying attention to. And it's this war of green energy, which the green energy is a complete and total myth. 
And those that believe in it are complete and total idiots, to be quite frank, because there is no such thing as a green revolution where you're not going to be using petrochemicals. It just can't be. In fact, off of a website today, off of a solar-powered and solar energy website, the first line on their website was, we can't run out of oil because we can't exist without it. But what they're, what this whole war is about is who controls not the entire war, but this particular war as far as energy, who controls the energy, which means who controls the people. If you control the food, you control the energy, control the money, you control the world. And energy is a critical pillar in that fight. Food, we've already been talking about, and there's quite a bit of latitude for people to take control of that, of their food supply by growing things on your own, as we've talked about at length of taking responsibility to stocking up on food and being ready to adapt to a very difficult time and environment that's ahead of us. But the other part of energy is a little bit different because there isn't many options outside of petroleum or solar. And the thing about solar, which is one of these neat little hidden Easter eggs inside of all of this, is that solar is all about digital controllers. So I want to start tonight to give a little framework on the type of fight that we're in. And this comes from my time, of, as, and I worked as a consultant for oil and gas in the area of, of energy infrastructure, in particular with the company of Exelon, which is one of the largest energy, energy companies in the United States. So here is, here is where the real fight comes down to. And, and just to kind of footnote that, I was a guest speaker a couple of times at the Petroleum's Club in Houston, which is a rather elite club of very high level and very influential oil and gas people. So I've had some pretty interesting conversations over my time um, working with, talking to some of the big minds and big movers and shakers in the oil and gas industry. Oil and gas is a type of resource where it is the physical product that stores the energy. This is a really important point to understand. And when you extract it, the environmentalists like to focus on the extractive process. And I'm not going to paint a picture like everything goes without problems, okay, because there's always issues. But what the, the environmentalists like to look at and focus on is that if you put up a solar panel, it's all green and happy. If you put up, if you drill an oil well, you're, you're causing disruption and, and problems for the families. That's, and the people around there. There are some evidence to show, especially when you're doing like fracking and some of the subwater damage and things like that, that are very real. And there's been some poor practices put out by oil and gas, which I'll be very candid about, especially when they do what's called high density fracking, which is within urban areas. Uh, there's been a number of companies that have done that, one that I consulted with, and it creates an enormous amount of potential problems. All that said, the industry of oil and gas works on a physical product, and that product is what they extract out of the ground, and it goes from upstream, which is where their extraction is, to downstream to ultimately where it is refined or processed into various other things. There is a kind of a general idea, and it's a very naive idea, that it goes on these pipelines and it goes down to the port and loads up on a ship and away it goes. That's not really the way that process works. And in the downstream process, there's just multiple industries that take advantage or are built around the oil and gas industry. Everything from paint to glue to pharmaceuticals to a whole variety of things like this. The fight that we're in right now with the World Economic Forum versus the petroleum industry, basically, 
is that this whole fourth industrial revolution is centered around shifting everything to a digital world. And the answer one would, the question one should ask is why? And it comes down to simply a couple of things. The number of microprocessors that it takes to do that are exponentially huge, which means there's an industry that forever makes money off of creating microprocessors. And the other is the ability to tag and track every single thing in the environment. That's the center point of the fourth industrial revolution. When you extract oil and gas, it comes out of the ground, it then flows through pipelines, they measure the flow in volume and at rate, and then they calculate an amount of, of product that arrives at a port that fills a tank or fills a ship or goes to a truck to be delivered to somewhere else. And that's the measure of the economic value of that. And as that economic value is, is moved, then over it goes and they're able to weight a cost on that. Now, being that the American dollar, the Federal Reserve dollar, was pivoted and pinned on oil, it is a petrodollar, okay, there is a real advantage to making sure an economy thrives on oil. But as we know very well, the, enti the entire design of this next step of warfare is to move us away from the petrodollar and to pivot us onto a digital programmable currency that we currently call and refer to as a CBDC. Very important principle to understand because that, that entire concept of a CBDC is at the center of what this current war is because it's going from a hard asset to which is oil to a digital asset which is ultimately invisible. Now, the war that's being waged for for energy is significant because it represents trillions of dollars of value and the the companies that control that not only control life but they the way we know it and the way life operates but they control the greatest cash flow in the world. With renewables, it is less about renewables and a lot more about how many digital processors are involved in this. And this is fundamentally at the core of this entire fight. And it's very important to grasp this. The digital processors in oil and gas, and I'm just going to make up a number to kind of give you an idea. And this is completely fabricated, and so I just want to be clear. So if somebody comes back and fact checks me, don't fact check me on this because I'm just making an example. Let's, let's say in a pipeline system, from the time that the oil and gas is extracted to the time it flows through the pipeline and gets delivered to a port, let's just say that there's a thousand digital processors in that whole thing. And that includes various computer systems, gauges, and flow meters, and, and valves that are digitally controlled that will manage this whole process and measure what that oil and gas delivery is. Okay, that's, that, just keep that in mind, a thousand, all right, for the sake of this conversation. When you produce re renewable energy, and we'll use solar as an example, everything from the generation of the solar to the delivery of it requires digital processing because everything is built on using a one and zero binary relationship to, that creates an energy through the agitation of the heat of the sun. And then all of that energy has to be moved through a digital network of some fashion that's constantly monitoring and, and moving it. So by comparison, and this is again, just as a kind of an example, there's a hundred, we'll say a thousand processors in oil and gas for delivery from upstream to downstream. And in that same pathway using re, using digital or renewable energy, that number of digital processors is like 100,000, maybe even 500,000. 
So now you start to see real quickly where this real fight is because oil and gas doesn't really care about digital processors other than how they can benefit the flow of the hard material, the, the actual hard asset, the real asset, which is gas or oil. And in the extractive industries, that would include coal. But digital world doesn't seize digital processors as their key to making money. Because the more they can do, the more control they can have. Not only do they have the ability to move oil and gas or move energy, excuse me, move energy that they've created. They have the ability to collect the data and sell it. And they have the ability to refine their delivery so that it is maximizes to every user so that each user can get the most out of what they deliver. Add to that the various tiers of corporate tyranny that come out of the digital world, which are things like social credit scores, and all of these other issues that they're dealing with, you're talking about an agenda coming out of oil and out of the energy side of, of tech that's very much refined about targeting and, and maximizing those that are compliant to them and punishing those that aren't. Now, here's another little interesting side note. Most people in oil and gas are Christian and faithful in one way or another. Most people in, in Silicon Valley are satanic. They believe in the Luciferian model or they believe in an AI God, quite literally. I'm not exaggerating any of this. So you start to see that this is a rather significant battle that we're fighting here right before our very eyes. And as we are starting to see the attempt to shut down oil and gas, I'm, I'm going to present the op, a thing to think about tonight, and I, I can't give you substantive proof, but I want you to consider the fact that this is not what we are seeing. Oil and gas is, I will tell you, their attitude towards, towards the green energy movement was, and I'll say this as politely as I can, we should shut off their effing oil. This is, comes from a quote from a senior CEO. We should shut off their effing oil and let this country discover just how much green they really are. The point of that is when you shut off oil and gas, there is no ability for green energy to continue. Let me give you some examples of this, okay? So here is a, this is from Cora. It's a very interesting discussion and a very good one about the amount of oil needed to produce a Tesla vehicle. So I want you to hear this. Remember, Tesla is this green dream for all the environmentalists, led by our grand new masters of ceremonies, Elon Musk, the man whose, whose mother is a Satanist and who suddenly has turned to the favor of the great, great people of the world to save them through the vehicle of Twitter, though he does want to Make sure he validates every single human being on the planet, which would suggest to me things like biometric scanning and maybe DNA scanning as well. All right. So here, let's get into this piece here. This is written by a guy by the name of Edward Greenberg. And I validated what he has here enough to say that he's, he's pretty much on target. And I'm sure there's some variables in some of his numbers, but it's worth listening to this. So he begins to start eight gallons of oil for each eight inch tire. Now think about that. Eight gallons of oil are needed to produce each 18-inch tire. That's on a Tesla. And then he goes on to say, comparable tires wear 35% faster on a Tesla than on a conventional car. This is due to the weight and torque over the tires in a Tesla, so you will be changing tires more often regardless of brand. Let's stop right there. 
So in our new model of green, and we're going to narrow green down tonight to focus pretty heavily on the electric car, particularly Tesla's. Because I think we can take an example of a microcosm and expand it to a, an understanding of the greater challenge. We already know that you're not going to produce tires without eight gallons of gasoline and or eight, eight gallons of oil, excuse me, and that those tires are wearing out 35% faster than your other vehicles. So that's a cost for consumer and it's a cost that goes into the waste dumps because we don't recycle tires. Not much anyway, pretty much they get burned or buried in landfills. Continuing. The average electric vehicle has 1,000 plastic polymer, polymer parts composed and or made via the use of oil. Plastics and other materials made using petrochemicals make vehicles more efficient by reducing a vehicle weight, and this comes at a very reasonable cost. For every 10% in weight reduction in the fuel economy of a car improves roughly 5% to 7%. EVs need to achieve weight reductions because the battery packs that power them can weigh over 1,000 pounds, requiring more power. So the vehicle itself composes 1,000 parts that are plastic, and all of those parts are petroleum-based. It continues, oil is most known as a source of fuel, but petrochemicals also have many other useful physical properties. In fact, petrochemicals will play a critical role in the electric vehicles they they buy. They are by reducing their weight and improving their ranges and efficiency. The average EV will use seven uses 775 pounds of plastic in the 2020 model. So this is a two-year-old article. So you can see the dependence here on petrochemicals. Tesla, now here's a, a bit of a challenge now. Tesla only makes 50 to 55% of its parts contained in its car. So Tesla and its factories, and this is part of its new gigafactory concept, at this point in time was only making 50 to 55% of its parts. Not all Tesla parts are made in California, and thus many are shipped by diesel-powered trucks. 40 to 50% of its parts are sourced by well over 130 party contractors, most of which are not located in the USA. So you now start to add to this a major cost of shipping, which is using, again, petrochemicals. Teslas employ carbon fiber. This is a big fanfare of weight and strength. Carbon fiber is an extremely strong yet lightweight material. That's good news for the material production, but it raises environmental concerns as one of the main ingredients is oil. The biggest positive about carbon fiber is that it can make material lighter and its biggest the it's because it is stronger than steel. Carbon fiber can be used in, to make everything from bicycles to golf clubs even wind turbine blades. This strong and lightweight alternative can be used in vehicles and the lighter the car, the less fuel used. Clearly, this is good news for the environment. However, carbon fiber isn't as eco-friendly as people would like to think. Research has reflected that the production is wasteful and the end product is also difficult to recycle. For example, wind turbine blades, regardless of its shape, have a useful life of 10 years they cannot be recycled. So there's another component. So 90% of most of Tesla's body is made of stamped aluminum. Uh, the presses used to conform sheets of aluminum and other metals are not green, and nor does Tesla claim that the plant is a zero-emission plant. The carbon footprint of a Tesla uh, cannot be determined with certainty. Trade secret, they say. 
And trade secret means they'll never reveal it and they bypass all of the regulations that they're trying to impose on everybody else, which is about what? It's about reducing carbon and apparently getting off anything like oil and petroleum-based products. So much of what we are looking at is smoke and mirrors to create a world that is not more green, but make a world that is more digitally controlled and more, and more enslavement-driven for the people. All of this in the end of the day is about Internet of Things and controlling the people, those useless eaters that Klaus Schwab would like to refer to. Here's an interesting profile to kind of give you a breakdown on the U.S. energy, which is important to understand at this point. Solar produces about 1.04% of our energy. Nuclear produces about 8.46% of our energy. Hydro, 2.5% of our energy. Wind, 2.74% of our energy. And geothermal, about 0.209 with natural gas and extractive resource producing 32.1% and coal producing 11.4%. That's of the electrical generation for our nation. Biomass and petroleum are two other areas of production for energy, but they do not directly go into electrical generation. In fact, there's almost no petroleum or oil run electric generation plants left in the nation. So you're, Energy in terms of natural gas extractive resources, which are natural gas, coal, and petroleum, in sum, those right there constitute 74 to 75% of all of our energy in the nation, and that's the amount of, the amount of these resources and industries that they are trying to attack and crush. So you have to start asking yourself why, okay, because this is not a small event that we are witnessing. So let's look into something else a little bit more because one of the biggest problems with electric vehicles, in particular the Tesla, are the battery packs. And it's not just the Tesla, it's any pack. So let's look at a cost issue because if you have to rebuild an engine on your car, well, you it's going to cost you anywhere from $2,500 to $6,000 roughly. I mean, in that range, you can have your engine rebuilt. And in that five and $6,000 range, you're going to get a pretty much a significant amount of energy or engine to get out of that. Now, the average, the cost stated for a Tesla Model 3 for the battery pack is three to $7,000, but that's not true, okay? This is because they've forgotten the critical piece. So I'm looking at a Tesla incorporated invoice, and this invoice was paid by a customer, the name is blacked out, but I want you to read you these costs so you get an idea of what we're talking about. The total bill on this, this amount was $13,500. The labor, parts and labor combined, it was actually, that was the labor. Parts and labor combined were $16,000 to replace a Tesla battery pack. $16,000. The cost of a Model of a, a Model 3 right now is running about $46,000. So right there, you are starting to see how this is the biggest scam ever. These battery packs, by the way, and you can talk to anybody in Alberta province, because I have, is because they had a pretty significant cold snap about a year ago, and the Tesla's range was cut down by about to about 10 to 20% of what they advertise. Batteries don't do well in extreme cold, and they just don't hold their charge. 
The other issue is the entire grid system that we're on because the grid that we are on is actually dates back, parts of our own electrical grid date back to about 1915, 1920. That's not a joke. That's one of the projects I was involved in, which was how are we going to update the grid? And getting the American grid up to a modern standard is an ongoing issue because nobody, by the way, wants to put a 200 kV or 500 kV power line in their backyard because nobody likes the EMP that they manage to push out that does tend to heat up the skin and cause certain health problems, right? So what we are looking at here is one of the biggest scams ever placed on the world. And it's a war that ultimately roots itself back into the control of energy, which equals the control of humanity, all right? And when you start to appreciate that, now we're starting to appreciate just how much the fight that we're seeing here is much more than just the government dictating to oil and gas. There is no love in oil and gas between them and a liberal government. And while there may be, and it's possible, I'm sure somebody will come up with the example of a CEO that's complied to this new woke strategy, you're not seeing that as a general rule in the rank and file. One of the questions I have been asking, and I cannot come to a conclusion on this, but I'm going to present with some thoughts for you to think about tonight, is why is it that the lobbies of oil and gas, for the most part, have been relatively quiet? And why is it that we haven't seen the outrage of the oil and gas workers that are, are supposedly working. And the other issue is how is it that so quickly we went from being energy independent under President Trump, which we did achieve, to energy dependent in a matter of months that suddenly we are now so energy dependent on the world that the Ukraine war apparently has caused our economy to collapse, our food costs to increase, our farmers to have no ability to, to farm because they don't have fertilizer, and Russia has almost single-handedly cause our gas prices to soar and collapse our economy. If you're not asking those questions, you're not asking the right questions. I'll be very honest. Because at the core of that lie sits the truth. And the truth is that there is this war, like I say, going on between the petrochemical basis of the, of the industry and the, the tech industry that's seeking literally to control the world through digital processors, to make it simple digital processors and AI. That's really the battleground of one of your biggest wars that's going on right now. It's curious because when you, to even take this a step further, and I'll just read a quote here from today, after only four months, Russia's federal budget has now already received 50% of the planned oil and gas revenue for 2022. And it says Russian oil revenues soar 50% hitting a record high. So what's actually going on here? And this is a question everyone should be asking because it doesn't make any common sense when you look at this and you're hearing that, well, Biden's denying leases and suddenly we're, we're, out, of, we're out of oil and gas. Well, Biden's uh, not going to allow any more exploration in a certain area and suddenly we're seeing gas prices soar. And yet, what's happened? Where, where did all this oil go? Now, it's important to consider this because there is an EO 
that President Trump signed, if you realize, if you remember back to the confiscation of assets. So I'm going to present a theory here, and it's unsubstantiated, but I want you to consider this as one of the possible issues we're dealing with. The fundamental premise I'm going on right now is, one, either oil and gas has jumped in bed with the World Economic Forum, which I don't believe they have because they don't agree with liberal politics, or two, and this is a big one, that they have declared war on their own or in cahoots with others, in conjunction with others, and the war is waging between oil and gas versus renewables. And I think that's more real. If you if you know the name T-Bone Pickens, T-Bone Pickens is an interesting man because he is he was an oil and gas guy that built all these windmills in western Texas. I I can tell you firsthand he was not popular among the the elites of oil and gas. <laughs> I thought he was kind of, I give him a lot of hat tip because he basically ran the tables on the entire system. And so I'll give you an idea what he did. What most people also don't realize is you can't have a windmill unless you have a gas turbine generator. You have to have a gas fire generator in order to start your windmill. Again, you cannot exist without oil and gas. And so what happened is that what he did is he used the subsidies put out by the Obama administration to pay for all the digital infrastructure needed to run the windmills. So a taxpayers paid for all of his windmills. It subsidizes it was his windmills. They, we paid for in one way or another, all of his uh, T one lines running into every single one of these windmills that they need to monitor and run them from remote offices and he got also the sorts of other tax breaks for putting in renewable energy. At the same time, using natural gas, which was considered to be better for the environment and lower carbon footprint since natural gas's output is, is H2O, then there's no, there was no carbon output that he was, he was having to deal with, and he got other tax breaks. So essentially what T-Bone Pickens did is he subsidized and offset almost all of his costs in installing hundreds if not thousands of windmills in the eastern uh, western part of Texas he did so at the taxpayer at the taxpayer's dime not to I would say nothing about the amount of birds that have been slaughtered by those fields of windmills but that's he was trying he basically ran the gap between the two industries and took advantage of all these carbon reduced carbon credit stuff and everything else all right so kind of back to the point Oil and gas doesn't have an, a tendency of simply bowing down to the fight. What we do know, like I said, is the dollar is pivoting off of oil. That's a pretty significant issue right there because we're seeing this pivot happening. We also know that many of the companies that were involved in Russia left Russia that were involved in the Arctic drilling areas up in the northern area. And much of the media was predicting that Russian oil and gas exploration would implode and the infrastructure would be heavily damaged because they no longer had the American know-how of how to do and build and maintain these sorts of issues. That has not apparently proven true. And though Russia didn't have the infrastructure to move much of its product from the, the Arctic area down to China, and part of its fight was to gain control in the Black Sea so it had a port so it could move its things around the Horn over to China. All of that has suddenly gone silent in, the, in a lot of the discussions that are happening in the area. Everybody now is focused on the gas costs in the United States. So I ask again, how did we get to a place? 
where Russia was able to dictate the outcome of our oil and gas costs. And it's not an easy answer. I'm not going to tell you that. There is, this is going to involve likely as we dig into this, and I, I will continue to, but for kind of a topical view tonight, we're going to look at who is purchasing oil and gas futures. We're going to find that China was producing, probably producing or, or purchasing quite a few. But there's still a domestic resource that's there. And so the questions are going to have to get down to the hard questions of who really controls the assets, who's controlling the oil in the ground, who is controlling the petroleum reserves, who is controlling all of this. And this is where it gets a little interesting because this administration, as we know, is based on a corporate model of of the D.C. corporation, which takes us back again to the Act of 1871. And so topically, they don't have any official authority in our, in our country unless the people agree to comply. But they do have authority on, through corporate partners. So in mapping out the corporate partners, what we haven't seen is a corporate partnership of compliance with oil and gas. What we have seen come out of oil and gas is a future projection of need in their industry based on the damage that the VAX will cause and the attrition rate that they will face by people taking the VAX and dying. That should be a major signal that something isn't in sync with the Biden administration. Because even though they may have been forced in one way or another to comply to a certain degree to the injection, much of that would be driven by their own employees and those that I've always said that agree to taking the VAX brain damaged or just willful idiots, not sure which, but either way, both categories work. But the fact that oil and gas went through a process in their human resources departments to literally detail out that they were a a job projection need, meaning jobs that they would have to fill in the not too distant future because they would have attrition from death of vax should tell you a lot. My current theory right now is that as we start to pull back the layer on this war, what we're really witnessing on this, quote, war on oil and gas is an attempt to defame oil and gas, to create an anger and a hatred of the people towards oil and gas, to try to force people to drive less and use less, and in so doing, affect through investment and manipulation on the backside the value of oil and gas, which is going to be affected anyway by the shrinking dollar, and then eventually bankrupt those companies so that the big players like Larry Fink, Bezos, Gates, Zuckerberg can sweep in and buy up those industries quietly through proxies and now control them completely and therefore force us to into by shutting down those resources, but using those resources for this new growing, booming, fake green industry, it would be invisible to the useful idiots. The useful idiots would celebrate it as saying, yay, wonderful, we're shutting down oil and gas. And then they would buy into the idea of green energy being a renew, true renewable, never asking the question, of how things are made or what the sourcing is. The biggest issue that concerns me overall is the worship of Tesla, of of Elon Musk. There is a true idolatry that has kicked into this nation, in particular this youth, that is almost palpable when you're around them. They truly worship this man as much as they used to worship Bill Gates. And they see him as the great savior of the future by pushing green products, supposedly, and all of this, when none of this industry would exist, and it won't exist, unless you have oil and gas. 
our real fight again is is going to be a difficult one and this is where it's going to get interesting to see who is at the helm of the fight i would say optimistically in a view that i will i will call optimistic as i've looked at a lot of the data one of the conclusions i will say one of the uh, positions that i've drawn out of this is one that that asks this question was the EO that Trump signed on the confiscation of assets if you were involved in any sort of election fraud or foreign meddling? Has that been used along with other actions to seize property and seize control of strategic assets, particularly oil and gas reserves? This would actually make a lot of sense if this was happening because what would happen in that case is that oil and gas would begin to be put on hold. The production would be put on a temporary stop or it would be at least controlled by a form of government, which we'll call for the sake of talking at the White Hats, the Republic form of government. And that asset would be under that management or control until such a time as a trial was initiated and a guilt was found, either guilty or innocence. And then that asset would either be returned to its owner or it would be redistributed to the Republic. There are some indications out there that that may be exactly what we are dealing with right now because the Biden administration has not stopped new production. And that's the question I keep asking is if we are not having new production, then why is it that we are seeing such an incredible demand or cost rise in oil and gas. So listen to this, because here is kind of a, it suggests that this is the right type of thinking. Again, I'm not saying this is the answer. I'm always careful in this because I don't have hard fact, but these are drawing some conclusions or at least some suppositions from the facts that are before us. This came out today, May 12th, from Javier Blas, or Bless, and this is what it says. U.S. House Secretary Nancy Pelosi says Democrats will next week present a bill on gasoline price gouging. The bill will enable the president to issue emergency declaration marking it illegal to increase the price of gasoline. Price gouging needs to be stopped. There is absolutely zero proof of price gouging. In fact, there is nothing to say at all out here saying that there is that is going on. My guess is that this is again is part of this war of trying to now attack the small producer or the or the small gas stations and bankrupt them and then get them to be purchased or tied up in litigation so that they no longer are able to produce oil and gas or deliver gas for the people. They're trying to pit us against oil and gas. They are trying to pit us against each other because they do have a great mass of willful idiots that believe in this climate change farce. And it is one. And they are bought into the idea that if with electric cars, we'll all be better and better off, which all of that push is like herding cattle into a cattle pen there. Once they get them, everybody in there, then they're able to control your movement at the absolute highest level. So again, keep very clear on where this fight is. This is another comment that came up today on, on, on social media. The goal is to hyperinflate the U S dollar and over fiat world currencies. They will eventually change their tune to saying the dollar is unfixable we tried to fix and we can't. The dollar is unsustainable. And then they will roll out a 
digital currency, a CBDC. That we know is coming without any question. So some things to really consider here because the, the war on, on oil and gas, and like I say, I'm not going to defend all of their practices. I, I think that would, be, uh, that would be ridiculous. However, at the same time, the practices of, of the digital industry and all of their various extractive needs, which you'll seldom ever hear an environmentalist talk about, whether it's coltan, which was the result of most of the Joseph Coney wars in the middle of Africa, or whether it's any other sort of mine of product like lithium mines, which are absolutely devastating to the environment. But again, the American youth and American green have been conditioned not to look beyond our borders, but simply to look within our own borders and focus only there and be happy with the byproduct of forced labor, child sex labor, and destruction of the environment somewhere else as long as they can have their goodies and as long as they can build a free shit society, to be blunt. And and that's literally what the enemy that we're dealing with, which is within, it's the enemy within our own ranks, and they are high-ranking fools in many ways that are trying to force feed us a new way of life. Very challenging, and it will it will definitely challenge us as we go forward. Now, to kind of wrap this up tonight, I want to give you a couple of different, and one other really important post that came out today. And uh, I, and then I'm going to play a piece I want you to reflect on. But this is a really important post. And this post dictates or details exactly what I've been, I really, I think is at the core of this fight and has been since the beginning. And it reads this. I lost around 50,000 followers since Twitter began banning bots. I am now sitting at around 90 followers. Every single one of my mutuals I've interacted with in the past eight years have been bots, and I never even realized it. I want you to let that sink in for just a minute. I'm going to read this commentary. Go beyond the obvious here and realize how frightening it is that there are social media influencers out there who truly believe the majority is on their side, but it was all bot accounts all along. No one was actually listening to them. They were yelling into a void, which was sending back fake voices of approval and an affirmation. If that isn't the modern horror story, you're not paying attention. If you're on Facebook, by the way, you're living in a, in the fool's world there. You don't have any sort of real followers, at least very few. If you're on Twitter and you think that you've got many, I guarantee you, you don't have very many at all. These are all echo chambers that they created to create a narrative. And this is where the power of the left has found its origins. This is an extreme minority we are dealing with that has brought along with it, like I went over the other night, there's about a 3% engine with about a total of a 10% core of people that are driving this agenda worldwide. The 3% are your hardcores, your 7% are your useful idiots. And then you, but they're still ideologically fairly strong. And then you have with that, they bring with it the sheeple. And the sheeple can go from 10% and quickly they can take and consume about 50 to 60% of the people total because people are too spineless to stand up to what needs to go on. Bottom line is we lack the spirit of the warrior class 
and we lack the intestinal fortitude of our founding fathers as a whole, and too many people just kowtow to this influence and are so afraid of what someone's going to say that's just going to hurt their damn feelings that they just they are literally abiding by the narrative that's being forced down our throat. The green agenda is one of them. There are better ways to do everything as we mature in this world. There's better ways to do extractive resources. There are better ways to mine. But God gave us all of this to use to build a prosperous and unlimited society. The problem is that we have a minute few, a minority few, very few, an elite that have determined that all of the resources that God gave us are theirs to control. And to do that, they have to convince the people, God's children, that those resources are being misused, are destroying the world, and worst of all, it's humans' problem. And so with that, the only solution is we must all suffer, and ultimately, human population must be reduced in order to save the world. That's the core of the narrative. And sadly, a whole bunch of people have bought into it. So listen to this last piece here as we, as we kind of close out. Take a listen. In 1998, U.S. President Bill Clinton ordered the destruction of the largest pharmaceutical plant in Sudan. Launching 13 Tomahawk cruise missiles, the plant was pulverized, reduced to nothing but broken medicine bottles and rubble. The U.S. government claimed that the plant was used to make chemical weapons, but officials later said that there was no proof that the plant had been manufacturing or storing chemical weapons. The destruction of the plant wiped out more than half of Sudan's medicine in an instant. Because Sudan was under a U.S.-sanctioned embargo, Sudan could not recuperate for the loss, and as a result, tens of thousands of people, many of them children, have suffered and died from malaria, tuberculosis, and other treatable diseases. I'm sure they would never do something like cut off milk to children, or formula for children, or poison children with bad vaccines to cause them deformities, or worse, like just scramble their nervous system and make them dumb. And I'm sure that they would never cut off oil and gas and cause a mass disruption and maybe like cause people to not be able to drive to work or something like that. See, the ruthlessness that we're dealing with here is unprecedented. And this is where, again, prepping for this time is important. Making people aware is critical and being ready to endure a bumpy ride because the only amount of control that they are going to get is what we are willfully giving them. And as long as we defy, and we will have some disruptions along the way, we'll win this. But the, the complying to their rule empowers them. And that has to stop. This fight for oil and gas, I can't speak for oil and gas. I'm not a representative. I, I have no idea where their headset is. But I can tell you that there's amazing Americans in the industry of oil and gas. I can tell you that if you spend any time with these people, they're some of the hardest working, and I mean truly some of the hardest working people you will ever meet. They're highly technically skilled. They, they understand this field, and they literally are not like the environment crazies portray them. They love this world. They love the environment, and they also believe in providing world with great energy. So all of that said, it's a war that we don't have a lot of direct control over, but it's a war to keep your eyes on. And the biggest way that we can have an impact on that war is limit how much we are willing to accept the digital side of this. Oil and gas will have to fend for itself to a certain degree. But don't get racing out here and buy an electric car. At least I hope you don't. That's dumb. So 
again, the fight continues, and it will be a long one, and it will be an enduring one, but it's going to ultimately come down to everything else. We, the people, have the power, and each step, as we understand the deeper fight of what's going on, ask the harder questions, inform others, raise up the mass of the people, we have a decision in this vote, in this fight, even though they want to tell us that we don't. And when we take that position and truly understand our true power, they have none. Patriots, let's pray. Father, we come to you today just very humbled with all that's before us, the challenges that are set before us, which are many. Lord, one of the biggest challenges we really don't have any direct control over in this fight is energy. We're dependent in a way that perhaps was never intended, but that's where we are. We pray tonight, one, for the increasing clarity on the on this scam that's been placed on the people, this scam of believing in electric, in these green energies that in themselves are not what they are claiming to be, constantly trying to change the way we live all for the sake of controlling us and subduing us into some form of informal slavery. So we pray for truth and we pray for the eyes to see and the ears to hear, to understand what's before them and the nature of this true enemy. Father, whatever else comes of this, as you bless us and lead us in this way, we ask that you will open our eyes to new possibilities, open our eyes to the potential of the many things that you've provided for us through wisdom and resource and guide us into this next horizon. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Patriots, so there's one last thing I'm going to leave you with. And you can check this out for yourself, but it's, it's pretty funny. I have no idea if it's a joke or what it's meaning, but it's pretty funny. So if you go to www.oreillyauto.com, and that's O'Reilly Auto Parts, but it's O'Reilly, O-R-E-I-L-L-Y, auto.com. And you go there, and if you'll go up into the search bar, and if you will type in 121G, 121G, you will discover that O'Reilly has listed in its parts a flux capacitor. <laughs> I am not kidding when I tell you this. It is there. It is right out of uh, Back to the Future. And it's got a lot of details on it. You can read about it. So I have no idea what that is, but I find that just really curious and amazing. So check it out. O'ReillyAuto.com. Go use in the search bar, type in 121G as in golf. And enjoy reading about the flux capacitor. Have a great evening, Patriots. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. Keep your prayers up. We have a lot of lot of things to be thankful for in this nation in this time. Biggest thing is we're seeing the world clearly, which is one of the greatest gifts God could give us. God is with us. He will never forsake us. And in the end, God will always win. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tonight for Fishers of Men. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war 
and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward, by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made. Therefore, they can be solved by man. And man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who move forward, and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor, will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. We push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words, in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath. <laughs> 